Hello everybody and welcome back to Spoolcast episode 17. In today's episode I'm going to be have, I have a very special guest, um, former uh, Irish footballer uh, who played in the played for Bray Wanderers, uh, Longford City and Longford City and was it? Shamrock Rovers. Sh- Shamrock Rovers. And it's a uh, special guest Stevie Goff. Stevie, how are you doing? All good, Barry. All good. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, same here. Um, it's great to have you on. No, it's great. It's great. I've, I've been listening to a couple of the podcasts there. I was doing a bit of catching up um, during the week after I was told about it, to be honest. And um, I started following it and listening to it. And production seemed great. And uh, it's good to be here, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Emil. Um, so, basically, I'm just going to jump straight into it. Um, Stevie, do you mind telling us a bit about your football career? Yeah, um, I played, as a, as a kid, so I was playing down in Joe's in Sally Noggin until maybe I was 14 or 15, and I left Joe's and went to play for a couple of years out in Stella Maris, out, out in town, um, which was a great experience. I grew up quite quickly, actually, from the age of 15 to 16 or 17, maybe. You know, being involved in a Dublin club is at the time it was a lot different than it is now. Um, so that was great. At seventeen, I left Stella Maris then and actually went Leinster Senior League with Tech United um, down near my mum's house in, in Monkstown. Um, and again, that was that was a great experience because I was so young going into men's football. It, it was it was a case of you know really put hairs in your chest at an early age and to be honest brought me on as a footballer because you know it was rough and tumble um, then from Tech I signed for Bray signed for Bray under 21s I was 19 and spent a couple of years there um, it was going okay in Bray but it was actually one of the coaches at the time um, a coach called Larry Martin he was he was connected with Shamrock Rovers so he ended up going to Shamrock Rovers and taking me with him and realistically, you know, without the input of, of um, Lar Mani back back in the day, Lar's now in Enniscary, I think, given that they go with the academy up there and running the club. Um, but if I hadn't have been for his input at the time, I probably would have never got to Shamrock Rovers. I got that opportunity. So when I was at Shamrock Rovers, then spent four or five years there, ended up having a spell at Longford after that and had a second spell at Bray in the latter part of my career. And... You know, think told accumulation of maybe oh, I think think there's over two hundred or two hundred and fifty appearances or something like that in the league itself. So, you know, it was it was um it was a different path. To, like I was lucky to I was lucky to get the opportunity I did in regards to the Shamrock Rovers really twisted it for me. But um again, it's like any player once once you get that opportunity, people will open doors. But you know, it's up to yourself to to walk through those doors and. You know that's what I did, and the, you know, yeah, had a bit of luck. But you have to work hard when you get there. That's that's certainly what I did in the end, you know, and paid dividends, you know. Yeah, no, um, I've read a bit about you, and it seems like you've had a really good career, and you spent you spent uh, obviously time at three different clubs. Um, one thing I was going to ask you ask you as well, uh, what was the highlight of your footballing career throughout your uh, career? Like, was there? A... Yeah, there was. There was. There was a time when we were at Rovers, when we were at Shepherd Rovers, we were we were each year we were there, we were qualifying for Europe and we we played we played an away leg against Sloven Leverage. They were um, from Czech Republic. Quite a good side actually. Um 
I was young enough at the time, probably it was probably 23 or 24, but playing against Slovan Leverage away in a, in a packed house in, in the Czech Republic, and to be fair to them, they battered us that night, and it was great. It's a moment I look back at my career, and I actually I actually thought to myself, you know, the different levels there was in football. We we at Shamrock Groves at the time, we yeah we were decent in Ireland, we were qualified for Europe, but Slovan Leverage were just on a different planet, and that's not even the top excellence of football. That's that's mediocre European football. So it really opened my eyes at the time to, to know what it would be really like at the top end, the Manchester United, the Premiership clubs, the Liverpools. It's off the charts. People people think, you know, looking at football on TV. But it's only when you're in the trenches playing against very European game against the likes of Slovan Leverich or, or that type of club where you realise the levels of football and I do look at that part of my career and think, yeah, it was great playing in Europe, but I actually realised the, the level I was at there, and I, I realised, you know, I was going to go no further. The, the, the level I was at as a player was, was League of Ireland, and, uh, you know, no, no matter how hard you work, I don't think that technical ability that these guys had, you know, you'd need massive improvements to, to go up levels. And, you know, I, I look at that part of my career and I think, yeah, it was exciting, but it was a real realistic part of my life as well to realise where I was at and where I was, where I was going with football, you know? Yeah, and obviously qualifying for Europe must have been really, really um, brilliant for you and amazing playing in the likes of Czech Republic. Um, when you played, obviously, in Europe like that, what did you find? What did you find the atmosphere was just buzzing in the stadiums? Yeah, the atmosphere for, for away games was electric in, in, in the foreign countries. It was electric. Um, we played in Sweden against Stuttgartens. They were the, they were the Swedish champions at the time. We played... We played in Poland against um, against another club, uh, and then we went to the Czech Republic. And you know, it, it's just a different level. European football is just a different level in regards to how quick they move the ball. It was a great experience, and it, it was great to see how they do it. Well, it wasn't easy to play against by any means, but you know, it was brilliant to to see how they play, how quick they move the ball, and how how easy they make it look. Also, at the time, the strength. The strength of them, strength and conditioning in Europe at the time was obviously huge for them. In Ireland at the time, it wasn't a major thing. You know, we weren't on. This you have to remember, this is this is 15, 16, 17 years ago. We weren't on strength and conditioning programs like like the pros are now within the league. You know, um, but yeah, going back to the atmosphere away, the whole travelling end of it, it was an amazing, an amazing experience traveling, traveling to play football and especially to play in Europe or. You know, maybe represent your country. It's the best thing is it's the pinnacle. It's the best thing you'll ever do. You know, as a as a kid, everybody dreams to, to play in Europe or play at international level. That's that's has to be the goal. You know, but um, yeah, it was just just an amazing electric experience. The fans, you know, the, the fans away in Europe they make it very difficult. No matter whether it's a, it's a small enough game or a Champions League final, the, the fans make it very very difficult. You know, they really are the 12th man especially when you play away from home you know yeah obviously yeah a huge fan base is even when you see it now when you when you watch the Champions League games and obviously the Europe games now you see how tough some of the uh, fans are like, you're right like the 12th man you can see with the with the flares they have and the fireworks that go off in the background and some of the some of them are just just mad like it's they're like brick walls you can't get through them if you know what I mean yeah yeah totally agree 
Um, uh, so another thing I want to ask you was, what was it like playing in the uh, Interato Cup? Is am I right pronouncing that? Is that the, the, the Interato Cup? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, it's European football. It's it was amazing, an amazing experience. And again, the opposition you're playing against is, you know, the full time professionals. And at the time, the League of Ireland, we went, you went. You know, categorised as a full-time professional, you were yeah, we were we were training four or five days a week, and you were playing games, but that was part-time because the majority of the squad worked. So when you went to play away, you know you were you were getting hit with full-time professionals. You were you were getting hit with speed, strength, ability to move the ball, technically excellent. So yeah, just 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 different, very very different. But you know, when you come home and play domestically, then you know it made us it made us a better club and a better team. You know. Yeah, and is it, has it always been your dream to play football? Even like maybe not at Premier League level, but even at uh, Irish League level, was it always your dream to play football at some sort of high level, which you've played at? Was it always a dream of yours? Yeah, it would have been. It would have been. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's every kid's dream when they're playing in the street. You know, they're they're running up and down thinking they're Roy Keane or you know Wayne Rooney or the modern day Ronaldo. It's so it's it's your dream to to get as far as you can. I suppose. Yeah, dream would be classed as a professional footballer which I was lucky to do at the, in, in Ireland we you know there was a time we did go full time we gave up our jobs everybody went full time in the club which again was a good experience so yeah it, it, it was always a dream but I think I think the dream was to, to just to, to get as far as I could to continually working hard to get to where I could to get, get and see where it took me then you know a lot of hard work goes on behind the scenes. The dedication, the, the trips you miss, or the, the parties you may miss, and you know, you do have to sacrifice a lot for for what's classed as a dream, without a doubt. But yeah, it would have been it would have been something that you know I would have been working hard towards being a professional footballer, and you know, obviously England would have been the dream end of it. But you know, second best yet, yeah, certainly back in my day would have been top end. Um, League of Ireland stuff, you know. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, and I actually want to talk about your position. So you played right back, I believe. Yeah, well, the, the thing about the thing about when I played, because I was technically good, so I sort of in the end of my journey career, I sort of became a victim of my own versatility because I could play and I could play in a number of positions because I could because I was, you know technically good I could fill plenty of gaps like I've, I played many games as a, as a centre half or a sweeper um, beside a big 6 foot 4 partner I played full back both left and right full I played centre midfield a holding role in centre midfield across the middle I could really play anywhere and because of that I never I never really nailed down yeah you're a right back or yeah you're a centre half or you're a centre mid I just I played a lot of different positions throughout my whole career and you know if I was to pick a position I would have preferred to you know play my whole career as a centre half because you you get a lot more time on the ball and it's, it's a lot easier to pick passes and you know to technically show how good you are as a centre half in my opinion but I started I did start as a full back but you know just ended up being very very versatile and I have no real complaints about being versatile or you know a victim of versatility because what it did mean was I played every week. I never didn't play. No matter what manager I played under, what club I was at, I always played because I was good enough to play. Even if it was a different position, 
I was always in a position that, yeah, okay, he's good enough to be in the starting eleven, which, you know, it was nice. You know, it was nice to be playing week in, week out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that was that's great to hear. And so basically it was just like I wanna play anywhere really as long as I get to play. It was that kind of year. Was it was yeah, that Yeah, well I, I didn't yeah, I didn't really have a choice of you know, I want to play here, I want to play there. You were just you were lucky enough to be in the starting eleven. If if I had gone to the manager and say, Listen, I just wanna play right back well then all of a sudden your eggs are in the one basket, you've more competition, so you know, effectively I was happy to be playing every week so whether it be, whether I be shifted around or I was, to, to be honest I was happy in every position that I, that I played I was, I was comfortable in every position I was technically good enough to, to be there you know so yeah it's it's um, it was one of them though yeah I would have preferred as a, a career as a, as a centre half beside a you know a big marauding six four four centre half heading ball so would have, that probably would have been my choice yeah, and obviously versatility now in the game is it's so important. Even back then, obviously having a player that can fill in for injuries of other players is very. It's big, it, it, it's big in the squad game because you know if you if you've a, a typical example and you know I'm a Man U fan. A typical example of good versatility and a player who got a good career is John O'Shea at Man United. He was very versatile, but was, was could always fill in for the manager. He could fill in anywhere. And he had a good career because of that. He, he was on the bench an awful lot, but you know, had a hugely successful career, won plenty of trophies, made plenty of money. Because the manager, at the time, when there was only five subs to shoot on the bench, he could have three centre forwards if he wanted, and a goalkeeper and John O'Shea, because John O'Shea could cover so many positions. He didn't need to have an actual defender, an actual centre midfielder. John O'Shea was covering all these bases, so from a, from a manager's point of view, it's very it's very nice to have someone as vers- as versatile as, as John O'Shea because it gives you a better selection off the bench from a an attacking point of view. You know. Yeah, it's probably a manager's dream as well, just to be able to have, just to be able to throw him on, like a like yeah. like a James Milner now. If you look at the modern game, yeah, yeah, like that. It's just, yeah. Yeah. similar to James Milner, yeah. 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 Um, another thing I want to talk about is um, so obviously he played for uh, Bray Wanderers, Shamrock and Long- Longford. Uh, at what club uh, did you feel you played your like your best football in your opinion in your you know in in the position you played in? Where do you think you played your most kind of expansive football? Probably, probably Shamrock Rovers was was the best. It was the best club to be at at the time, and you know it was best. It still is the best and biggest club in Ireland. Um, so yeah, it was probably Shamrock Rovers. It's 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 never been a small club. Plenty of small clubs in in, in Dublin, um, but Shamrock Rovers is probably it's probably the best place I've ever played football. It, it was a, it was a great place to be. There was always good managers you were looked after behind the scenes, and there was always good players. There was always good players to play with. So yeah, you know, as a as a club, as an individual, as as a team, yeah, probably Shamrock Rovers, yeah, will be will be the the best period of my career. You know. And would that also factor in that you played uh, Europe as well for Shamrock Rovers as well? Yeah, Europe was factored in as well. Um, and because it gave me the opportunity to go full-time and experience full-time football, to give up to give up my job, to be earning enough money to you know, pay the mortgage and live comfortably as a, as a professional footballer in Ireland, it was, it was a great experience, you know. So because of, because of all those factors, yeah, best place, best place to play football, certainly. Yeah. yeah, that's that, that's great to hear. And um, 
so uh, this is kind of moving on from your career uh, so obviously once you retired I believe a few years did you set up how I believe you set up your own football club yeah I moved when I when I finished playing football I moved to the Middle East um, I moved away spent spent nearly nine years away in the Middle East spent two and a half years in in um, the UAE in Abu Dhabi and then we moved to Qatar um, and I was working at the time I was a construction manager over there so we were we were working on a metro project um, it was a prerequisite it was part of the World Cup bid so I was working for an Austrian company in, in Qatar um, and during that period I met a guy over there a guy called Keith Young and we set up we set up literally a, a football academy and a, and a football club from, from literally jumpers jumpers for goalposts to, to what it is now a fully established professional football club that play in the second tier of the Qatar the Qatar League um, the club the club itself now from a first name point of view has a full time setup, full time coaches full time players and the academy I think the academy's running at maybe over 100 over 100 kids you know but that all that all started maybe 7 years ago now because um, I'm back in Ireland 2 years Seven years ago, we we set it up from grassroots, and it was it was just by chance that I bumped into this guy, and we struck it off, and, and it all went from there. We both had passion for football, and you know, producing, trying to produce kids and good kids playing football, and the, and to do it, you know, we we felt the best the best thing to do was get an academy to get our three nights a week, well, two nights a week, and one at the weekend, and see what talent was out there, and you know, it's blossomed to be fair, and it's. It's still over there. It's still a, a fully operational club, like I said, and it's it's called Lucille, Lucille Football Club. And you know, again, it's it's going to take further steps forward because there's, there's Qatari businessmen involved at the top end now, so they don't have a problem pumping in whatever money is required to um, to bring the club even further. You know. Yeah, and setting up a football club, and uh, did did it give you more insight to how a club is run and? how you manage a football team and did did it give you better insight to know just just knowing more about football obviously you know, you know about the game of playing but did, did this just kind of open your experience a bit yeah it did because you know you, you need to you need to understand the business end of it as well behind the scenes you know you needed to you needed to start employing people employing coaches so you know, we did. We were hands on ourselves at the start, but we we did realise soon after that that um, you know, we needed to bring in proper coaches, coaches with with UEFA badges because myself and Keith, we hadn't got our badges at the time. So, you know, we, we needed to we needed to learn and learn quickly. You know, that to to be the best, you need to bring in the best people. And you know, we look we look at it now and we think, yeah, we, we did have to learn quickly. We learned on the ground, and um brought in good people and started to, to manage the finances of, of how it should work behind the scenes you know by no means is it easy behind any football club it's it's always difficult because you know 99% of clubs out there don't turn over uh, profit so you know to juggle money to be juggling players to have you know a good scout network where we were to be producing kids a lot of time went into it but again because it was our passion you know we, we, we loved it to be fair well, that's all great. That's all very interesting. Uh, and yeah, look, it's great to be able to set up a club like that. And um, I guess um, obviously, uh, 
I've one more question actually myself. Sorry, uh, and that's: uh, Do you miss playing football? Um, do you miss playing football for a team, uh, or do you still play it now for fun, or are you just finished with football? Or no, I don't. I don't play anymore. I haven't. I haven't really. I haven't really kicked the ball in, in ten years. Um, and I don't really. No, I don't really miss the playing aspect. To be honest with you, because you have to. You have to be able to retire. And you have to be able to park it and move on, and because you can't. You know, everybody will retire between. You know, thirty or thirty-five. You, you retire at some stage, so you, you have to be able to park it up and move on. So don't really miss the playing aspect of it because you know your body wouldn't be able for it anyway. Mine certainly wouldn't. Um, but I do. What the only thing I would miss about football would be the dressing room, the banter we used to have, the, the camaraderie, that the group of players who who would, you know dressing rooms back in the day were no holds barred stuff. It was it was brilliant. So that's the only thing I would miss about football. It, I wouldn't miss the playing days. No, I would, you know, I'm quite happy to look at my young lad playing now. My daughter might, she might, you know, get into football very, very soon. So I enjoy watching them. Um, my son, I enjoy watching him down on Greystones, and you know, I, I presume my daughter will get out there as well. So I'm enjoying looking at them and you know, enjoying time with them and uh, maybe out in the streets or in the garden, just playing football, seeing how they're getting on and looking at their progression. Um, from how I see it, you know. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, that's really good to hear. Um, I was going to ask you one more thing, and that's uh, <clears throat> that's just a quick thing. It's a quick thing on Manchester United. I'm probably sure you're not looking forward to this, but um, I just want to ask you, what do you think? I'm um, you know, it's poor myself, but what do you think the state of the club? What's your point on it? It's been it's been difficult the last ten years. It's been difficult as a United fan. Um, and there's obviously been a huge transition of managers over the last number of years. But I think I think we need to we really need to get it back to the to the foundations again. We need to clear the decks of you know the dead wood that's there, and the manager needs to come in and be strong. You know it's going to take time, and it's going to take millions of euro. And I know a lot of managers have come in and thrown money at it, and it hasn't worked. But we need to get back to the structure and the foundation, maybe of you know developing youth, bringing. Okay, bring some players in, bring some top players in, but go back to the way Ferguson had it, you know? He had a plan, give him time, give the new manager time, let him execute his plan and how he sees it working because everybody needs time. Ferguson got time, you know, the, the average the average time a manager gets in the Premiership these days is, is less than 18 months. So for that turnover, you can't expect miracles. So to, to clock got time, you know, so... We need to give Tim Hag the time to develop what his plan is, and I feel it will work with him if he clears the decks and gets rid of the dead wood, brings brings players in, produces some youth. I feel it will work, but you know I've been saying that for the last ten years. But you know, here's hope, and that's all we can do. We we can only we can only live in hope. You know. Yeah. Look, to I don't think you know I will ever get back to the stages of Alex Ferguson. Because he was just looking an exceptional manager, one of a kind. Um, but how long do you think we'll be back winning titles and winning Champions Leagues? Like, how long do you think? Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's gonna be five years to be honest. I think it'll be five years before you know we see you know lifting 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 the Premiership again, maybe Europe. But you know, yeah, you could be. 
listen, Liverpool have witnessed it. You can be lucky and win a cup, but you'll never be lucky and win the league. And I, I, I mean, we probably in the next five years have a better chance of winning the European Cup once we qualify for Europe. I think we might have a better chance of winning the winning the cup because you can't be lucky. Liverpool were unlucky in the final this year. They were lucky in the draw that they got. How they got through? Yeah, easy enough. But they were unlucky not to win it. You know, they, you know, Real Madrid were, were very lucky, and it, it proves the point. You can be lucky, but you'll never be lucky and win a league. You'll never say Man City were, were lucky this year to win that league. You, the best team will always win the league. And I feel, from a league point of view, yeah, probably five years away. From a European Cup point of view, yeah, could be could be earlier than five years. You know, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah, um. So Stevie, that's pretty much everything. Uh, yeah. That was uh, it. Was great having you on. Thanks very much. No problem. Absolute pleasure. And you know, good luck with with the rest of your podcasts. And you know, I'll be tuning in myself. So you know, what I've heard today, like I said, is is brilliant. And I wish you all the best. That's great. All right. Thanks very much. No problem, Dad. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.